Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Today, just kind of a standalone message uh, here in the book of Ruth. Before we get to the study and the thoughts this morning, uh, Dustin and Christy mentioned at the beginning, how many of you, your mom said something like, moms have eyes in the back of their heads? How many of you, your mom said that? And probably every one of us, your mom said that. If you are a mom, you probably said that. <clears throat> but here's one other thing that my mom always She could always do, and I found out that my wife has this same superpower. It's when I go, you know, when as a kid, when you would go to look for something and you never saw it, but your mom always did. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're, you know, you're talking to your mom and you say, hey mom, uh, you know, can I have a, can I get a bowl of cereal? And she says, yes. And so you go to the kitchen, you get the cereal down, you open the fridge and you're like, we don't have any milk. And your mom goes, it's there. And you go, no, it's not. And your mom says, yes, it is. And you sit and you scour that fridge for a whole seven and a half seconds and you still can't find the milk. And you say to mom, mom, we don't have any milk. And your mom says to you, like my mom said to me, yes, we do. I'm going to come find it. (laughs) And I would say, you're going to come find it? Yep, I'm going to come find it. And sure enough, what would happen? Mom would walk in. She would open the fridge. And right in front of your face, it's like it appeared out of nowhere. There's milk. And, and she just goes like this. I guess we don't have any, do we? And sits it down. Maybe your mom didn't do that, but my mom did plenty of times. Because I was blind, like most people. And now my wife helps me with it all the time. Honey, I can't find it. Hannah has this thing now with me and the kids. She'll say something like this. If I find it, it's mine. <laughs> if I find it, you don't get it. And that's when we're like, oh. All right, we better be right that it's not here. You know what moms have a really good thing of, mom have really this, it's a a superpower of finding things that are buried in plain sight. (laughs) They can always see the obvious that is staring us back in the face. Now, as we come to the book of Ruth this morning, I, I wanna say this. Many of us, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard the story of Ruth. If you haven't, don't worry. We're gonna kind of walk through the story. But for those that have heard the story before, I think when we come to books of the Bible, like the book of Ruth, we can come to a story and we read it through our lens instead of reading it through what I'm gonna call today the lens of a mom. (laughs) Because you know what moms can do? They can find things that are right in front of our face. When we go to the book of Ruth, if I were to ask you, if you, if you know the book of Ruth, I were to ask you, what is the book of Ruth about? You would say, many would say, well, it's about Ruth. It's about Ruth and Boaz. It's about the kinsman redeemer. It's a, and you would be right. The book of Ruth is about all of those things. But do you wanna know what I found and what I think is just gonna be something that will be very plain to each of us today? 
is the book of Ruth has so much more in it because, well, I'll do this. Last week, we were in our study in the book of Luke. And last week, if you were here, we went through a list of names. You remember that? In that list of names, it was the lineage of Jesus Christ through Mary's line. In that list of names, a name that is referenced or referred to is the name of Boaz, who is Ruth's husband. So Ruth, this book is named after her. We'll meet her in just a minute. Ruth is somebody who's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but does that sound like a really cool like, thing? Like you're listed in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Your name is there. People know you as the great, 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 on and on and on, grandma of Jesus. What an incredible thing. But what we miss when we read over the book of Ruth is we miss a mother and a mother-in-law that influenced the entire story. I would actually venture to say this today, that we would not read the book of Ruth nor would we read about Ruth in the lineage of Jesus Christ without the influence of a mother. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna jump into the book of Ruth. We're gonna find something that's buried in plain sight, something that I hope every mother in here would be challenged with, but today's message, today's thought is not just about mothers because I wanna kind of give you the statement that I wanna work through today, and that is this. It's to every single person, not just moms, never underestimate the impact of your influence. Never underestimate the impact of your influence Now, moms, you can quickly come into this and say, okay, I know I influence my kids. I influence my husband, but I would step out on a limb today and I would say this, and I don't think it's a very uh, um, far out limb. Every single person is influential. Every one of us, you have influence, whether you're a dad, a single, a teenager, a mom, a grandpa, whatever role of life you play, you have influence in people. So I want to say to you, never underestimate the impact of your influence. Because we're gonna see somebody today who God literally used her influence to shape a family lineage. God used her influence to shape really the history, the history of not only her family, but of a nation and of a people by one mother, one mother-in-law. Her name is Naomi, and we're introduced to her in Ruth chapter number one. If you would take your Bible and let's go Ruth chapter one and we'll stand together. And we'll read just these few, just two verses today as we start. Let's stand. Ruth chapter number one. And we read these words this morning. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, the city is Bethlehem, the country, the area of Israel is Judah. He went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And we'll read, I'll stop right there. We'll read the rest in just a minute. We're introduced to Naomi. We're introduced to her husband, Elimelech. We're introduced to Malon and Kilion. And this morning, here's what I wanna do. We're gonna take a minute. We're gonna walk through the entire book, just the story, get a glimpse of it. And then I want us to understand and to see 
Four simple things in the life of Naomi that I discovered throughout the entire book of Ruth that I believe God used to help her leave a lasting influence, a lasting impact in her family. And the challenge I wanna give to you today is this. Every one of us have influence. But what we often do is we underestimate our influence. We don't know how far our influence can go. We don't know how deep our influence can impact somebody. And so today I just wanna ask you to maybe come to the book of Luke with a, or book of Luke, book of Ruth with a fresh lens, with a mom lens and say, God, help me to discover today something that's buried in plain sight. And I think we'll be helped by it. So let's pray and ask God to help us this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Why don't you take just a minute in the quietness of your own heart and why don't you pray and ask God, God, help me today. Help me today to see some things that are buried in plain sight. God, help me today. Help me to hear from you exactly what you would want me to hear this morning. Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths in it and how it applies into our lives. And Father, I pray this morning that as we as we step into the book of Ruth, God, I pray that you'd help us, whether we're in person or online, that you would speak to our hearts today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to see that we have influence and, Lord, that our influence matters. And, God, I pray that you'd help us to see these characteristics, to see these thoughts, and to be able to apply them into each of our lives. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> the story of Naomi just kind of gives a short account. It's really just a, um, probably about a 12-year, a 13-year period that we read about, and specifically probably about a, a two-year period is all that you find from Ruth chapter 2 all the way to the end of the book. So it's really just kind of a glimpse, a, a snapshot, if you will, into the life of, of Naomi and Ruth. But we're first introduced to Naomi as the wife of Elimelech. Elimelech is someone who is a descendant and Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, the people of God in Israel. And what we find as you come to Ruth chapter number one is that the people of Israel, they're going in a famine. And Ruth determines, or Elimelech determines at this time to move from Bethlehem, Judah to Moab. Now, often as we read scripture in our 21st century Christian mind, we kind of just skim over things that to many other readers would be very obvious. Here's what I wanna point out and I will, I will revisit the thought in a few minutes. Things would have had, had to have been extremely bad for Elimelech to go to, Beth, or to go to Moab. Now here's why. Elimelech is a child of God, the people of, of, of uh, Israel. Moabites were extreme enemies of the people of God. Moabites were people that did not like Hebrews. Moabites were people that, that were seen, and his, history speaks to some of this, that were, were persecutors of the people of God. So this famine had to be very, very bad for Elimelech to pack up his family. And the word that's used uh, there in, uh, in um, our Bible says that he went to uh, Moab to sojourn. The word sojourn, it, it means to kind of make a home in. 
Basically, you know what Elimelech was doing? He's packing up his family and he's saying, hey, until things change, this is our new home. We are going to make Moab our home. Now, things had to be really, really bad for him to do that. So they go, they get to Moab just uh, east of Judah across the Jordan River, as you see here. And they get there and the scripture tells us, and you can go, and here's what I'd encourage you to do this afternoon. It'll take you 15 minutes. Go read Ruth 1 all the way to Ruth 4. Just read all of it, and you'll get all of this wrapped up in, in one picture. But the Bible tells us that as they go into the land, <clears throat> that after a, a short time, that Elimelech dies. So now it's, Ruth, or now it's Naomi left with her two sons, Malon and Kilion. And Malon and Kilion, they both marry. One marries a lady named Orpah. The other marries a lady named Ruth. And, and after a 10-year period of them being in Moab, the Bible tells us that Malon and Kilion both die. So now you have Naomi left with her two daughters-in-law. Her husband's gone. Both of her sons are gone. And so she decides to pack up. I'm going to go back home. She hears that, that God is blessing the land of Israel again. And so she has the mindset of, I'm going I'm to turn back to God. I'm going to turn back to the people of God. And it says that she said this in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6, down through verse number 9. She arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited uh, his people and giving them bread. Wherefore, because of this, she went forth out of the place where she was and with her two daughters-in-law with her. And, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi, she turns to her daughters-in-law and, and she says, go return each to your mother's house. The, the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her, house of her husband, and then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. And so Naomi has this mindset, I'm gonna go back to the people of God. And she goes to Orpah and Ruth and she says, okay, I want you guys to be blessed and be healed. And she says to them, I, I want God to give you grace and bless you. And I feel like that'll happen best if you're in your own family's houses. And the story tells that Orpah, she says, I'm gonna go. And so she goes back to her family. But Ruth says, no, I'm staying with you. So Naomi responds to Ruth and says, hey, behold your sister. Your sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. Hey, don't even ask me that. Don't ask me to not follow, return, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou, wherever you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and thy God, your God will be my God. Where you die, I want to die. And I want to be buried there. And the Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught but death part between thee and me. And so Ruth has this mindset. No, I'm going with you. I'm sticking with you. Your God is my God. Your people, my people. And Naomi, she says, all right, let's go. So they make their journey. They make their journey probably across the south end of the Jordan River, traveling back into the country region of Judah, into their city of Bethlehem. And as they get into the city of Bethlehem, people recognize Naomi. They notice who she is and they say to her, they just begin kind of uh, uh, talking around, man, Naomi's back, Naomi's back. And this is Naomi's response to them. 
Call me not Naomi. The word Naomi means pleasant. Call me not Naomi, but call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Why? Because the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And when I, why then call ye me Naomi, saying the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? Naomi, she comes back, and she's no doubt a little hurt. She's no doubt struggling. She's, we're going to see in a minute, dealing with a little bit of bitterness, some frustration, some struggles, some doubts. Nevertheless, she comes back to the people of God, comes back to the place of blessing from God. If you go and you read Ruth chapters two and three, you find that they come back during the harvest season. Now, in those days when someone uh, like a young lady and a widow, two widows really, that would come back into the land of Bethlehem, Judah, they, they couldn't just go put an application in Walmart or put an application in a retail store. They couldn't just go to uh, you know, a rock top and say, I want to work tables. They, they couldn't just put an application in somewhere. So they really didn't have much of a way to provide for themselves. And so uh, based upon some things in the Old Testament, there was this, um, this law out that you could, if you were a widow or an orphan, or if you were a single mom, you could go and glean off of the harvest fields. What does that mean? It means that you go behind the harvesters and you pick up the leftover food and that's food that you can trade, sell, or, or eat. Well, <clears throat> Naomi tells Ruth, hey, we got to glean. You got to go into some fields. And the Bible uses the wording that it just so happened that Ruth went to a field to glean of a man by the name of Boaz. Ruth is there. She's going behind the harvesters. She's picking up some, some of, the, uh, of the grain. She's picking up some of that that's left. And Boaz comes and sees her. And he's like, I, who is she? I haven't seen her around very much. And somebody says, oh, that's the Moabite woman that came back with Naomi. And Boaz goes to Ruth and he says, hey, listen, I know you could glean from anybody's field, but I want to tell you, I will tell my harvesters to leave you extra. <laughs> Stay here. Glean from my field. Don't go anywhere else. I'll take care of you. Ruth, excited, she goes home. Naomi, hey, Ruth, where, where, where you been? Where'd you glean the last few days? And, and Ruth says, oh, I don't know. I don't know the guy very well, but it's the field of a man named Boaz. And as soon as that's said to Naomi, a light bulb goes off. And Naomi remembers something from the scriptures from where we would reference of Deuteronomy 25. Naomi remembers this thing called the kinsman redeemer. That if there's a relative that's close to us and there's a widow, that that relative can take over the, the land and the inheritance and the family and that relative can be leaned on to provide and to become a caretaker and to bring healing and health. That relative can be leaned on for all of the sustenance that you would need. And, and so Naomi begins to declare all of this to Ruth and says, Ruth, Boaz, is, he, he's a near kinsman. He's somebody that you could marry and he could provide for us. And, and Naomi begins to see God putting some things together. And so she begins coaching Ruth in this godly direction toward marrying Boaz. And she tells Ruth all of this stuff about Boaz. And Ruth chapter number three, Naomi sits, Boaz, or sits Ruth down and says, okay, now we gotta come up with a plan. 
Because what mom doesn't want to come up with a plan to marry their daughter off? And so she sits down with Ruth and she says, all right, here's what we're going to do. And they come up with this plan. And Ruth, I want you to go and tell Boaz that he needs to play the part of the kinsman redeemer and, and explain all of this to him that God has said. And so Ruth goes to Boaz and declares all of this. And Boaz says, ah, I know, but listen, there's a cousin that's closer than me. And it's his right to buy the land and to do all of it first. But I'll take care of it. I'll ask him if he wants to. And so Ruth, book, the, the book of Ruth, chapter number four, Boaz, he goes to the city gate. This would be definitely the entrance of the city, but also at the city gate. You can actually see ruins of this in Israel. Uh, at the city gate, there would be a bunch of seats right as you would enter into the main city gate. It was almost their city hall. There would be kind of a little platform where someone could get up and present something to the, the 10 leaders of the city who would sit on the walls of the city right there. And and the leader could present something, then those city leaders would vote on whatever the case was. Well, Boaz, probably one of the city leaders as well, he goes and at the gate of the city, that cousin comes walking by and he yells out to him, hey, hey, Joe. We're just gonna go with Joe today. It's a good name. It's all that came to mind. Hey, come here. Joe comes over. Hey, Boaz. Joe says, hey, or Boaz says, hey, listen. <clears throat> I want you to know that um, you know Naomi. She's back. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard. Well, you know she's our cousin. Oh, man, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Well, listen, Boaz says, she wants to sell a parcel of land, and it's supposed to remain in the family. You know the kinsman redeemer thing. And Oh, yeah, I know about that. Well, Joe, do you want to buy that land? Do you want to take over kind of helping meet some of Naomi's needs? And... He says, yeah, I'll do that. And then Boaz goes, oh, oh, I forgot one thing. By the way, if you take over Naomi's needs and the land, you also have to marry Ruth. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that. And Joe in Ruth chapter four and verse number six, Joe says, I cannot redeem it for myself. I can't play the part of the kinsman redeemer. Why? Because I have my, he says, I have my own reputation to be concerned about. I can't marry the Moabite. I can't play, I can't do that. And so Boaz says, all right, everybody, you guys all heard that. Hey, Joe, now to signify this, you gotta take off your shoe and give it to me. True story. Because in their culture, you take off the shoe and give it to them. Here's what you are saying. It's kind of a sign to say, uh, I, I'm not gonna play the part of the kinsman redeemer. I have no right to tread upon that land, to tread upon that business. I have no right to tread upon my, my inheritance. I'm giving that up to you. And so Joe does this and front of Boaz and with all the family. And Boaz turns to all the city leaders. He says, all of you are witnesses to this. And they all say, we're witnesses. And he says, all right, I'm gonna go get married. And he goes and he marries Ruth. And they have a son. His name is Obed. And Obed has a son whose name is Jesse. And Jesse has a son whose name is David. And it was all written about in Luke chapter three in the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's an incredible story. I love the story of Ruth. I love how God brought everything together. But this morning, I don't want us to miss some things that are buried in plain sight because here's what I would say. 
the story of Ruth would not be the way it is without the influence of Naomi. There's four things I see about Naomi in this book that I think can help us not to underestimate our influence. And I want you to see them with me. Four things that I find about Naomi that I believe can help each of us. I want you to see first off today that Naomi, she had a godly foundation. Naomi had a godly foundation. As you make your way through the story of Naomi in the book of Ruth, as you do that this afternoon, I want you to pay attention to how many times Naomi references God. I want you to pay attention to how many times Naomi references something about God because Naomi throughout the entire book speaks of Jehovah God. Now, something else that stands out to me as we go through this is the fact that Naomi not only knew God, but Naomi knew God's word. Okay, in our 21st century Christian eyes, we read, we read through that. We read a thought like this, that Naomi knew God's word, and we think, well, yeah, I mean, of course she did. She would have the Bible. You know, She probably had an app on her phone that reminded her every day of the, the verse of the day and the study of the day. I mean, don't we all do that? We need to remember this, that the Bible was not, scriptures were not as accessible to them as they are to us. As a matter of fact, Many of, the, many of the cities of the people of Israel, many of them, some of the only time that you actually could see Holy Scripture is when you were in a setting like this or if you had an appointment with the scribe or one of the priests to, to go and sit down and for them to read it to you. And then maybe you could sit down and write some of it for yourself. But it, it wasn't like you and me. Like many of us, we have more copies of scripture accessible to us in our own home than most, most people did that time at, in a city. I mean, Brian back there, Brian could probably, he could furnish half of Israel with Bibles from the many Bibles that he has. How many are you at right now, Brian? Like 60? You don't even want to say, huh? All right, I see how it is. Man, we look at this and we say, well, of course she knew God's word. Here's what I want to say. Throughout the story, Naomi, Naomi not only references God, but she references specific things about God, about Scripture, about the law of God that, yes, people would have known, but they only would have known had they committed it to memory. I think about it when Ruth comes home and says, Boaz is the one, the field, and immediately Naomi goes, oh, kinsman redeemer. Now, you and I, we can go to a book and a chapter, Deuteronomy 25, to read some things about that. But Naomi couldn't do that. She couldn't pull up a Google search and think, now, I, I know it's in there somewhere. What is it? She went off of memory and she said, Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. He can buy the land. He could redeem. He can raise children. He can take care of you. He can provide healing. Hey, and Naomi was able to give Ruth all of these things, and here's why. It's because Naomi had built a godly foundation in her life. Can I tell you today, moms, one of the best things that you can do for those you influence is to build your life upon a godly foundation. But not just moms, every single person. We are all influencers. People follow you. People look up to you. People that you don't even realize that you have impact in. 
And the best thing that you can do for them is build your life on God. Hey, I'm not talking about a 21st century build your life upon God. I'm talking about a dedicated Christian that says, I will be sold out for God. I'm gonna put his word into my life. I'm gonna live at his principles. I'm going to digest the word of God. I'm going to think about it, read it, memorize it. I'm going to take the holy scriptures and I'm going to continually invest them into my mind. The psalmist wrote it this way in Psalm chapter one, verses one through three. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, it's in the law of the Lord. And in the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night. And, and then he'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Can I just say this morning that building a godly foundation should be one of the highest priorities in your life. That's why I think it's so important to be in church. That's why I think it's so important to be involved in growth groups and to be involved in the ladies' Bible studies and the men's prayer breakfasts and, and the different avenues of ministry that we have at church. You say, well, pastor, you're expected to say that. I wanna take pastor hat off and just throw it to the side. And I just wanna tell you, as, as a young man who has grown up in church and seen it, listen, God blesses when you build your life upon his word, no matter what. This is why I think it's so important for every Christian to have time every single day that they're getting into the word of God. Hey, they did not have that as an accessibility, but you and I do. You can set a reminder on your phone every day to ding at the same exact time to then just remind you, get in the word. You can get on there and listen, we have so many resources in our hands of, of things that can help us grow closer to the Lord. We have a phone and we can open up and find devotionals and you can go online and search dictionary, dictionaries. You can cross-reference with different commentaries and translations and you can go and text somebody and say, I have a question about this verse. I have a question about this thought. Listen, place after place after place, we have resources available to us, but here's our excuse. Well, I just don't have the time. Listen, you know how, you know how easy it is on most smartphones and even some of the dumb phones. You know what you can do? You can press play on someone reading the Bible. You say, well, that's not much. It's something. Play it when you get in your car. Play it when you're getting ready in the morning. Play it when you're driving home from work. Just get this. What are you doing? You're just building a godly foundation in your life. Don't ever underestimate the impact that that could make in the people you influence. What else do I see about Naomi? Not only do I see her building a godly influence in her life, but I see that Naomi, she had struggles and she had doubts. Naomi had real struggles and Naomi had real doubts. And I point this out for a reason. The fact is that for Naomi, life was not all about rainbows and roses. She had a hard time. Did you know most people in scripture, they lived real lives with real struggles and real doubts. And here's why that's important to us. Because if we're not careful, when we struggle and when we doubt, and mark it down, we do, if we're not careful, we condemn ourselves and we think nobody else deals with this. Nobody else struggles like me. 
Nobody else has doubts like me. If you go and you search out scripture, you will find more heroes of the faith whose struggles and doubts are identified for us than you will find whose struggles and doubts are not identified. Do you know why God does that? Do you know why God puts things in like what we're gonna see in just a minute? God puts the struggles and doubts in there to remind us it's part of being human. (laughs) It's recognizing our need for him. Naomi's life was struggles and doubts. It starts with the famine. We'll just go through them quickly. It starts with the famine. It then goes to moving away from her family and friends to a foreign land to people who probably didn't like her. When she gets there after a short period of time, her husband dies. Her her sons then get married. And after 10 years, her sons, both of them die. Now she's stuck in a strange land without family and friends with her daughter's-in-law having lost her husband and her two sons. She travels back to the place of Israel, people of Israel. And when she gets back there, do you know what she says? She opens her heart up. And she says, don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. Why? Because I feel as though God has dealt very bitterly with me. Now that's in there for a reason. And here's what I look at when I see this. Naomi is identifying the fact that you and I, we have a lot more in common with her than we think we do. She struggled and she doubted, but here's what I love. In Naomi's hardships, in her hardships, in her doubts, she knew where to turn. She had hardships, she had doubts, she had struggles, but you know what she did? She said, I'm going back to the place of the people of God. I'm going back to where God wants me. I'm going back to, and she knew where to turn. You know, many times in scripture, when heroes of the faith have a struggle or have a doubt, God does not condemn the doubt. God does not condemn the struggle. God just desires that we would know where to turn. One of the biggest helps to me over the last, uh, specifically the last few months, but over the last couple of years has been Psalm chapter 77, verses six through 12, where Asaph writes these words. He says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. What that means is him saying, I remember what I've been thinking and what I've been uh, um, uh, allowing to just continually fester in my mind. I commune, I've been talking with my own heart. We all do that. And I made, uh, and, and my spirit made diligent search. I was wrestling with questions. Here's the questions I was wrestling with. Will the Lord cast off forever? What does that mean? Has God pushed me aside? Is he favorable? Will he be favorable no more? Is God's favor not gonna happen in my life? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Has God forgotten to give me grace? Hath he in his anger, has he shut up his tender mercies? Now listen, this is in scripture. God inspired this in the word of God. And here's a man who wrote many of the Psalms. Some of them, we have songs that we sing to this day written by Asaph. And here's what he said. I was wrestling and arguing with myself saying, God, have you forgotten me? God, have you given up on me? God, have you forgotten to give me grace and mercy? And God... Why? But I love the next part because 
Here's what it says. And I said, this is my infirmity. The word infirmity there, it means weakness. You know what Asaph did? He said, this is my weakness. But here's what I'm gonna do. I know where to turn. I remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the, thy wonders of old and I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy doings. Do you know what Asaph was simply helping us understand? In our struggles, they are going to come. I don't care who you are. You could have been saved for 50 years or five days. Struggles and doubts are a part of, of life that we come to and that the devil wants to climb in and he wants to magnify struggles and doubts. But here's what minimizes struggles and doubts. Here's what helps us look past them. It's when we, like Naomi, know where to turn. Like Asaph, know where to turn. So in your struggles, remember where you can turn. Naomi, she had a great godly foundation. She had struggles and hardships and doubts, but she knew where to turn. Thirdly, I see that she was sensitive to God. Naomi was sensitive to God. While we've mentioned this, I just want to take some thought to, or some, a minute to dive into this a little bit deeper as this narrative unfolds. We find Naomi continually coming back to the things of God. And here's what Naomi was. Naomi was sensitive to see God at work. Here's how we know this. Ruth chapter two, Ruth's been out gleaning, comes back and says, I've been at the field of Boaz. Here's Naomi's response. Ruth Ruth chapter two, verse number 20. It says this, that Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, this man is near of kin unto us. He is one of our next kinsmen. That phrase, blessed be he of the Lord is Naomi saying that Boaz, wow, Boaz is going to be a blessing to us and Jehovah, the Lord, is a blessing to us. Why? Because he hasn't forgotten us. You know what Naomi did? Naomi recognized that the Lord was at work and she was sensitive to his involvement in working something beautiful, even in her difficult season. Naomi was able to step back and say, wow, I see God at work. And I just wanna say this thought today, a leader who is sensitive to the working and leading of God is invaluable. It is invaluable. I know today's Mother's Day, but as I was thinking about this point and this message You wanna know the person that I thought about the most is my dad. I'm not trying to have a sob story about my dad this morning, but I will just say one of the things I miss most about my dad is that he always, any negative thing, he always helped me see God behind it. Now, not every single day and all the time. And there's many others that do that in my life. I think of my wife that does that. I think of my mom that does that. I think of many of you that help in this. But my dad just stands out in my mind being one of those people. I would go to him and I would complain and my dad would say, hey, step back. Look at it from this angle. Look at God. Look at what God's doing. Hey, look at what God can do. Hey, look at any leader that leads people you will be more valuable in the lives of those you influence when you step back and are sensitive to the working of God. Naomi could have been like, Ruth, what's the point? I mean, my husband died, your husband's died. We don't have anything left in the land. I can't go get a job. And she could have had that attitude, but she didn't. She said, wait, Ruth, God might be doing something. Hey, Ruth, why don't we look at, why don't we pray? Why don't we see what God is doing? 
I see today that she was sensitive to God. And I think that we can see Naomi being greatly used of the Lord to help orchestrate something that shaped her family and her history and her family's heritage. And part of that is her being sensitive to God. But I see lastly today that Naomi was considerate and gracious with others. You wanna know one of the best ways she had a healthy influence in the life of Ruth? It's because she was considerate and gracious. We could go through and see this time and time again, but I start with one of the first times we hear Naomi speaking. She says to her daughter and daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me in the de- with the dead and with me. You know what Naomi did? Naomi said, hey, I want God to deal kindly with you. I want God's grace to be in your life. Later, when she would speak into Ruth's life about the kinsman redeemer, she would say to Ruth, listen, he could provide. He could be the one that meets our needs, that meets your needs. You can find healing in him. And you know what Ruth had, or Naomi's attitude was? She wanted to show grace, consideration, and help and kindness into the lives of those around her. I think about this, that why did Ruth... In Ruth chapter one, we read the verse a minute ago. Why did Ruth say to Naomi, I want your God to be my God and your people to be my people? Why did Ruth want what Naomi had? I think it's because Naomi lived a life of grace and kindness and speaking highly of her God. I think that's why. I think think Naomi was just thinking about God, referencing God, speaking about God time and time and time again, and Ruth caught it. You know, Naomi, she wanted grace for people. She wanted Ruth to be blessed, to find provision, to find healing. She showed kindness. Now, here's here's one of the reasons I find this to be a helpful thought for us this morning as we wrap up. When I say never underestimate the impact of your influence, I find this thought specifically about grace, consideration, and kindness to be convicting. Because sometimes in our lives, we fail to give grace, consideration, kindness, respect, and compassion to those closest to us. We often show these characteristics and these traits We show it to complete strangers on a regular basis, but with those that live with us, we have this mindset of, well, you're stuck with me. So I can be a jerk to you and you can be a jerk to me because we're stuck. The kids are stuck. So they, and maybe we don't really think that out loud, but you know, sometimes it would do a lot of us a lot of good to not underestimate the impact we can have on somebody by showing grace and kindness and consideration especially to those closest to us. God gave you that influence as a gift. Don't abuse it. And this goes to Dennis Fountain as well, because I know sometimes some of the people that I can be harshest, harsh, harshest, harshest to are my wife, my kids, those I work with day in and day out. And you know what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna recognize my influence will go a longer and further distance when I'm considerate, gracious, and kind. 
And so we should desire to influence the lives of those around us through the position of being considerate and filled with grace. This morning, I come to the book of Ruth and I find some things buried in plain sight, the life of Naomi. I find someone who built a godly foundation and even though she had struggles and doubts, she knew where to turn and she remained sensitive to God and God's working and she treated those around her with grace and kindness and consideration. So my closing thought question to you today is this, is which area is God desiring for you to grow in? What area in your life would the Lord look at and say, hey, I, I want you to build a, keep working at building a godly foundation. Stay sensitive to my will. Hey, listen, I know you have struggles and doubts, but turn back to me. Hey, be one that steps up and says, I'm gonna show grace and kindness and consideration to those closest to me. But maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior. You don't know if you died today that you'd go to heaven. Can I tell you this morning that what Pastor Brian said a little bit ago, that God desires for you to come to him. Like a mother would gather children to Herself, God desires to gather everyone to himself. He died on the cross for you. He was buried. He rose again after three days to prove that he is God, to prove that he is the Messiah, and to prove that all you and I have to do is to come to him in faith. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, today make the decision to receive him into your life. If you do know him as your Savior, whether you're a mom, a dad, a grandpa, a grandma, aunt, uncle, single, teenager, whatever phase of life you're in, recognize that you have influence. So ask God to help you. God, help me to build a godly foundation. Help me through my struggles and doubts to remember I can turn to you. Help me to be sensitive to you and to watch you at work. And God, help me continuously to be gracious, considerate, and kind with those around me, not just on the outskirts, but those closest to me as well.